All right, if you have your Bibles, find your place in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. And, um, hey kids, I've got a question for you. What's the most important time at church? Preaching time. And uh, so, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15 and verse number 25. And uh, we're going to pray first and ask the Lord to be upon us and to help us in a very special way. And, uh, and just ask His good will to be done. So let's pray and then we'll read the Scripture. Father, we love You today. Help us, I pray. May I be a vessel totally surrendered to the will of God today. And I pray that You would flow through me that that You would have to be spoken, God. I realize I need more today what I'm preaching than probably anybody else. And I pray You would help me today. Amen. Luke chapter 15 and verse 25. And if you'd like to stand for the reading of God's Word, let's do that. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 15 verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art, with me, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. You may be seated. I'm going to make a statement, but I am burdened for myself today. I'm burdened for myself today. I'm honest, this message, God has given it to me several weeks ago, and, and it really became a message for my own heart and my own life. And I preach today and asking the Lord to speak to my heart. Um, I'm, I'm burdened because I don't have a burden for the lost like I should. I'm challenged that it's been too far too long since I've been burdened to the extent that I would lay aside a meal to pray. I'm burdened that it's been far too long that I've woken in the midnight hour to pray for something heavy on my heart. The Lord's burden was clear in the Word of God in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My challenge today comes in my own heart that if, if that's the burden of Christ and I'm supposed to be Christ-like, I'm falling very short in this vital area. That I and a burden for the lost and the wayward, it's pathetic. I have become comfortable in my living and in my service that I have failed to comprehend the magnitude of a world that surrounds me and my family that are on the way to a devil's hell if they don't meet Jesus. And my burden is so pathetic and so... Uh, complacent today that I'm ashamed to think that my burden is lacking. A message was preached at a conference theme confronting unbelief in America. And it's centered around, it's centered around reaching the lost and, and the unbelief that's going across our land. And as the preachers would preach in powerful messages, I moved to the altar those nights not out of something they preached, but out of the fact that my heart was not moved like their heart was moved. Yes. My burden and my passion was far from what they were. 
And so my challenge was not conviction. My challenge was I became burdened for a burden. And so I want to preach this morning on this idea, burdened for a burden. Burdened for a burden. Here's the definition according to Webster's. We say, well, what is a burden? Webster's describes it as this, that which is born with labor or difficulty, that which is grievous, wearisome, or oppressive. If that's the definition of a burden, I'm missing something. Because I'm honestly, I'm too comfortable in my living. So I want a burden. And I come to this story here in the Bible. And we know the story, the prodigal son. The younger son comes to his father and says, I want my inheritance now. So the father divides it up and, and the young son takes off to the far country and out in the far country he spends his living up with harlots and he's down to the bottom and he recognizes the fact that he's eating what the pigs are eating. And about the time he realizes what's going on, he said, how many hired servants of my father have enough and to spare? He said, I will go and be a hired servant. Realizing he didn't expect his father to take him back in. He just wanted to go and say, God, Father, I'll be a servant if you'll take me in. But here's my challenge. It's not in the prodigal. It's not in the father. Because the fact the father was where he was supposed to be. The prodigal came to himself and came home. But my problem is, is I see myself in the boy that stayed at home. And I see a lack of a burden in his heart for his wayward brother. Number one, I want a burden that's greater than my business. I want a burden that's greater than my business. You notice the phrase says, now his elder son was in the field. He's out in the field, his brother's home, and he's out there working. It's not until he hears the music and the dancing, he's coming home and he wants to know what's going on. I find myself there sometimes that 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 I do becomes greater than who I do it for. I want a burden that's greater than my business. I want a burden that when I'm out plowing the fields or I'm out working a bus route, that if God nudges my heart, I can pray or I can lead. I can go to somebody by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want that kind of burden. I want the burden that doesn't get so consumed in what I'm doing that I forget the people I'm trying to reach. I wonder if this older brother out in the field ever stopped what he was doing and prayed for the brother that had gone to the far country. Ever stopped what his business and ever stopped and took time to pray specifically for that brother. I'm lacking in that area. I'm missing a burden that's bigger than my business. Number two, I want a burden that's greater than my babbling. Notice when he came back to the house, he, he says this, and asked what these things meant. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to know why this is taking place. Why is there music? Why is there dancing? Why is all this taking place? And he comes talking about it. I want a burden that's bigger than talk. I want a burden that's bigger than me looking and saying, well, why do I need all the details? Hey, when somebody gets saved, I want a burden that praises God, not a burden that questions whether they meant it or not. Hey, when a young child gets saved and baptized, I don't want to worry about if they're old enough to comprehend. That's between them and the Lord. I want a burden that's bigger than my babbling. And if I don't, I want positive things to flow from my mouth. I want a burden that is bigger than me needing all the details. I don't have to be the final judge. I don't have to complain and criticize. And I understand I'm not going to agree with everything that everybody does, but I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to dwell on it. I don't have to be concerned with it if my burden is what it ought to be. 
What I find, I get miles on those kind of things when my burden's not like it should be. I want a burden that's greater than my bitterness. I want a burden that's bigger and greater than my bitterness. Notice the phrase, and he was angry. As soon as the servant answered him and said, your brother's back home. And I just couldn't help but wonder this morning, what if the servant said, hey, you won't believe it, but your brother came back from the far country, aren't you? And rather than rejoicing, he's angry and bitter. He didn't get the spotlight. Somebody's taking the attention. But I want a burden that's greater than my bitterness. There's been plenty of times that I've been upset. There have been plenty of times things have gotten under my skin. There's been plenty of times those things, but you know what they are? As Brother Finley says, they were all petty. In reality, they don't impact eternity. In reality, they don't change whether a child comes to Jesus or not. In reality, they don't change whether an adult comes to Jesus or not. All they do is distract me from my burden. The things that I get the most angry about are the things that bother, that keep me from my burden. How I long that when bitterness tries to set in my life, whether from the past anger, the present anger, and the future anger, that my burdens will far outweigh it. Now when bitterness, when I want to find something to be angry about, I have a burden that's bigger than any of the little things that I get distracted with. I want a burden that's greater than my benevolence. I want a burden that's greater than my benevolence. Notice what the, young, the, the son that stayed at home had to say. He said, these many years do I serve thee. He's telling his father, he said, hey, look what I've done. I didn't go to the far country. Look what all I've done. Look at my faithfulness. Look, look at me. Hey, I want to find my satisfaction, not in my recognition, but in my burden for the lost world. I don't want my satisfaction to be the, the spotlight. I don't want the satisfaction and the glory. I don't want somebody to know what I've done. God lays it on my heart to give money, to give time, give energy, and I thank God we recognized our work. But I'm going to tell you, if we hadn't recognized them, they'd be here next Saturday. Amen. They've been here for the last year since we recognized them. So I know they're not doing it for this, and I think we ought to honor people. But what I'm saying is, I don't want a heart that's dependent on somebody recognizing my service to the Lord. I don't want somebody to know whether or not I've put money in this ministry or that ministry. I just want the Lord to know that I'm doing what He's asked me to do. I want a burden that's bigger than my benevolence. I don't want a burden that's dependent on what I do for somebody. I want a burden. I want a burden that's bigger than anything I give and do. I want to avoid promoting myself. I want to promote the Savior. I want to do what I do. I want to do all that I do and what I do. I want to do it for no other reason than to line my burden up with the burden of Jesus Christ. I want the burden of Christ. I long for my burden to line up with His. I don't want it to be because what's going to happen with our burden and us doing, people are going to die and go to hell with us doing without a burden. I I want a burden bigger than my benevolence. Number five, I want a burden greater than my beliefs. I want a burden greater than my beliefs. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. He comes to his father and says, Hey dad, I didn't go against what you told me. I didn't go against the rules. I did right. I obeyed. I did everything you asked me to do. I didn't transgress your commandment. I didn't go against what you said. I want a burden that's bigger than my beliefs. you realize that my beliefs mean nothing if I do nothing? My beliefs mean nothing if I do nothing. 
I can believe all I want to, but if I don't go out and tell somebody, I can believe that Jesus will take somebody to heaven, but if I don't take the time to tell them, what did my belief accomplish? Nothing. I want a burden that's bigger than my beliefs. You know, I praise God, I stand where our church stands. I stand on the King James Bible. Amen? I stand on good old-fashioned music. I stand on proper dress. And I'm not ashamed of those things. But we're trying to change the outside before we get the inside fixed with Jesus. We're trying. We've got people that know the King James Bible is the right Bible. We've got people that know those songs. We've got people that dress right but that are lost and going to hell. They're lost. They're dressed right for church. They're carrying the right Bible. They sang out the same hymn book you sung this morning. And they'll wake up in hell because we don't have a genuine burden. And our beliefs have become bigger than our burden. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about conviction with compassion. If my beliefs, I can believe all I want that these children will get saved, but if I don't preach the gospel, they're going to ride a church bus to hell. If I don't preach the gospel, somebody's going to sit under my preaching one day and they're going to die and go to hell because of my beliefs and I don't have a proper burden. We must preach the Word of God and we must, we must have a burden greater than our beliefs. If I don't compromise conviction and I have compassion, I can leave the conclusion up to Jesus. If I don't compromise my convictions and I obey it with compassion, I'm going to leave the conclusion to Jesus. That's the kind of burden I want. A burden that I'm not judging whether somebody's getting it or not. I'm leaving it up to the Lord. That's His conclusion. Number six, I want a burden greater than my battles. I want a burden greater than my battles. Look and you'll see. And yet, thou never gavest me a kid. You realize that was a battle he never had to fight with his father? He didn't need to... He had it all! And he's got hung up on one kid. He got hung up on one go. And he's hung up there. A battle he didn't have to fight. He chose a battle that wasn't worth fighting. We don't have to fight some battles. Isn't it just like Satan to try to get our eyes on something stupid and petty? So we'll be distracted from the main thing. Isn't it just like the devil to want us to be hung up on one, one kid goad and one thing that doesn't matter in eternity while he's over here robbing the eternal reward out the back door? Isn't it just like that? I want it bigger than my battles. I want it to be... I don't want to begin questioning God's authority, power, and His decisions. I don't want to entertain ever questioning God. God's business is God's business. We do well, and I do well to stop speculating as to why God does this or does that or why we'll have up days and down days. That's God's business. And I'm tired of speculating. I want a burden that's bigger than that. I, want, I, want a ba- I don't want to battle, choose a, fight a battle that I don't need to be fighting. Oh, for a burden that's greater than the battle. Then I want a burden that's greater than my buddies. Notice there what he said, that I might make merry with my friends. What he wanted, he was more concerned about being merry with his friends than he was the fact that his brother came back to the Father. And how tragic it is that we as God's people are more interested in the fellowship and the buddy-buddy time than we are getting the gospel to the world. What a tragedy it is that we're hung up on making somebody around us happy rather than pleasing the Savior by getting people into heaven. You'll have the greatest fellowship you ever had in your entire life if you'll wait till you get there. But I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be worrying about if I'm making everybody happy. I want a burden that's bigger than my buddies. I want a burden that's bigger than whether somebody likes it or not. I want the burden 
that if somebody comes by the house and it's church time, I invite them to church. We're going to church. Not that my buddies ever outweigh my burden. I want a burden that's bigger than my buddies. I want to live for Jesus. I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm weary of worrying about somebody else's expectations, somebody else's opinion, and somebody else's ideas. I don't care. I want to know what Jesus thinks of me. I want the burden that's bigger than my buddies. And then, I want a burden that's greater than my brother's. Notice what he said. But as soon as this thy son was come, which have devoured thy living with harlot. He's talking about his brother. He refers to him. He's talking to his father. He said, your son, he probably didn't want to acknowledge the fact that that's my brother. But he, he says, when your son comes, he's devouring the living with harlot. You know what? I've decided I can't help what other people do. And I'm not going to be worried about what other people believe, where they stand. I'm worried about getting their truth where it needs to be. I'm spending too much time opinionating about whether or not I agree with this, this, this or that. It doesn't matter. All I want to be worried about is me and Him. I want to be focused on the fact that it's not about what my brothers in Christ do. It's about what I'm doing for Christ. Hey, if I do enough for Christ, maybe I'll get some more brothers in Christ that will do the same thing. But I want a burden that's bigger than my brothers. I can't change what they do. And I think it's a sad indictment when God's people divide over petty stuff. I think it's a sad thing when churches divide over things that don't matter in eternity. I want a burden bigger than my brothers. I can't live off someone else's burden. Number nine, I want a burden bigger than my baggage. I want a burden bigger than my baggage. Notice what he said. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. Here's what he said. I didn't get it. I didn't get what I deserved. I've been here and you killed him the fatted calf. He went to the far country, spent everything he had. I've stayed here and been faithful. And he gets the fatted calf. But that's really not the, great, the, the truth that you see here. His baggage did not start right here. Back up with me for a minute to the battle. The baggage he's now carrying came from the battle he should have never been fighting. Notice some things that changed in his speech. If this older son, he, it, here, here's what changed. He went, first of all, he said, you killed a kid. When he first questioned his father, he, before he, when he was giving his father the, the rundown of why he was angry, he said, you, this father, this, your son comes, you kill a kid for him. Then, now, we're further into discussion. Time has passed as this has dwelt in his mind. And now it's a kid. He said, you killed a, a fatted calf. He went from the, a general goat, general animal. He went, now it's gotten personal. Now he said, you killed the, and then that fatted calf's a little more special than just an old kid. And he said, he went from just questioning the fact, well, you killed an animal for him. Now it's gotten personal. Now it's gotten spe- specific. This is kind of where he would, where he was. Had he left home, and has he left his church, he would have went. Somebody said, "Well, how come you left that church?" Well, they just didn't, weren't fair, and I didn't see it. They didn't. I didn't agree with everything they were doing. This happened, and it just wasn't fair. They weren't fair to my kids or my family. But here's the truth. Well, I came home. I came up from working in the field, and my dad had killed my brother, who had went out and done all this wrong, and. And my, bro- my dad killed the fatted calf for him. And I got upset and mad and I left. Rather than dealing with the question back at the battle of saying, is this a battle I should be fighting? I decided to hold on to it. So now I'm carrying around my baggage 
and I'm angry, and I'm bothered, because I never would deal with the question. You realize it was the lingering question at the battle that created the baggage he's carrying now. Had he back out the battle said, Dad, I just don't understand. Why? 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 Had he just sat down. May I just be transparent for a moment? If you've got a challenge within the house of God and in the church, talk to the man of God. Talk to the man of God. Be a man about it. If you've got a question or a problem, sit in his office and get it cleared up before you get here with the baggage. Before Satan loads you down with baggage where you're leaving a great work that you know is a great work or you wouldn't be here. You know it's a great work, but because you got sideways over something and wouldn't face the man of God, now you walk out the door saying God's moved you. Baloney. God's bigger than that. God's greater than that. We're human. It's okay if something bothers us. Just face it. Find a young man here. I want a burden bigger than my baggage. You see, baggage leads to drama. And we've, we've talked about that. First, it was just an old kid. Now he's built it up to say, boy, it's the fatted calf. It's no longer just a goat out in the field. It's the fatted calf. Couldn't you believe it? Leads to drama. That lingering question led to the baggage. Number 10, a burden greater than my blessings and my benefits. Thou art ever with me and all that I have is Thine. The blessing was being with the Father. Amen. You know, in reality, the son just stayed at home. He'd been with the Father the whole time. Amen. Where's the burden that's bigger than the fact of saying, I don't care what I get and what I don't give, but I've been with the Father. You know why our burdens lack us? Because we don't recognize the fact we get the privilege to be with the Father. We get the privilege to talk to Jesus on a daily basis. We get the privilege to come to a church that preaches the gospel. We get the privilege to sing songs that uplift and glorify the name of Jesus. And we're hung up because we're not getting something our way. I want a burden that's bigger than my, my belief, my blessings and my benefits. And you know, the benefit was all that he got by being the father's child. The father told him, everything I have is yours. What are you worried about? Hey, you know, I get a great benefit. I've got a home in heaven one day. What more could I want down here? What more could I desire down here? If I've already got that waiting, then I've got every reason to focus my burden on getting everybody else a home in heaven. I have no reason to be distracted trying to get more and more and more and more of this world because it's going to do me no good. Boy, but the moment I step into an eternity, and I don't know if we'll, we'll see people we know, we'll see those that we had an influence over, and, and we'll know in heaven we did our part on earth. I want a burden bigger than my benefits and my blessings. I'm thankful. I am so thankful for my relationship with Jesus. But I am far too complacent in my relationship with Jesus. Well, I see it in my relationship with Him and people around me go to hell. I'm too comfortable. I'm too complacent. And I'm tired of excusing myself. Well, we all have to make our choices. That's fine. But may may I remind you of how terrible a place hell is? May I remind you that we ought to be doing all we can to guide somebody to make the right choice? We ought to be doing all we can to lead somebody 
to the cross of Calvary, to the blood of Christ, to Jesus Christ Himself, because, yes, we all have to make our choices. Boy, but I've been glad and thankful. There have been some people in my life that have discouraged me from wrong choices and encouraged the right choices. I want something bigger, a burden bigger than my blessings. I want people to know that Jesus offers more than this world. They want what we have. I want a burden greater than my bewilderment. I want a burden greater than my bewilderment. All through this story, you see the son who stayed at home questioning everything around him. Why was this done? There's been many times in my life that I've walked in and God's doing something. I'm waiting and I'm believing, but God's doing things I just don't understand always. But I want a burden that when the bewilderment comes into my heart and yo, no, I don't understand, and yes, I'm struggling, that my burden far outweighs that. I want it so that even when I that I can look to God and say, you know, God, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to go tell somebody about you. I want it so that when it doesn't make sense and God brings things into my life that we keep on serving Jesus even when we don't understand. Even when it doesn't make sense. I want a burden that's greater than my bewilderment. I don't have to know why Jesus has done this or done that. And some of the greatest peace we'll find in life is the moment we turn that over to God. We turn over the fact that, okay, God, it makes no sense, but that's your business. Remember, God's business is God's business. And then lastly, I want a burden that boasts Christ. I want a burden that boasts Christ. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost in his family. I love the Father's answer. He answers them straightforward, amen? I want you just to notice this. I find this kind of stuff interesting. But the Father answered him in two verses. What took him six verses of question? When we've got the right kind of burden, we won't have to convince nobody what we believe, where we stand, and whether we love the Lord or not. When we're missing our burden, we might have to take 50, 11 verses to try to explain to them how we really are. But you know, the Father knew He had done right. So what I'm saying tonight, this morning is the fact we don't have to have a long drawn out debate to convince people we're right if we're right. We can be like the Father's approach and just tell them it was, it was the right thing to do. Amen? Hey, it was the right thing to do. It's what God would have us to do. We don't have to convince anyone of it if it's right. The Father tells them, said, I was waiting on Him. I was waiting on Him. And I want a burden that boasts Christ. This Father exemplified, and no doubt He's a picture of Jesus Christ. He exemplifies Christ's likeness in the fact when that Son was coming down the way and He was a ways off, the Father ran to Him. Fell on him and hugged him and kissed his neck. A heart of compassion. I want, a, I want that kind of burden that boasts Christ. I want a burden of compassion that we look to people and say, can I please tell you about a home in heaven? Can I please tell you how you can miss hell? Can I please tell you the fact that Jesus loves you today? Can I please remind you the fact that Jesus died for you? I want it. My life to so boast Jesus Christ. And not myself. But I want my life to so boast Jesus Christ that when somebody walks by and they need Jesus, they know that I can introduce them to Jesus. Hey, we're not ashamed to introduce everybody to all our other friends. 
Why can't we live a life to boast Christ so when they need Jesus, the greatest friend they'll ever have, they can know Jesus through us. Let's have a burden that boasts Christ. I want Christ's heart of compassion. John 3.30, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Where's my burden? been asking God for a burden. I've been praying and asking the Lord. That's why I don't preach this morning saying, you need a burden. I need a burden. I need my burden for the lost and dying world. I need my burden for the folks that are wayward and away from God. And so this morning, I'm going to find my place in the altar. Asking God for a burden that boasts Jesus Christ.